Good day. Today is December 17th, and this is the One Year Bible Tour Guide podcast, where each day we read successive portions of the Old and New Testaments, making our way through the entire span of God's redemptive history as it's recorded in all 66 books of the Bible. The scriptures give us the wisdom to discern and put our trust in the saving work of Christ. We learn the truth about who God is as the one true holy God, creator of all. We learn the truth of who we are as those made in his image and yet broken, separated from God through sin and in need of salvation. And then we learn the good news of what God has done in the person of his Son to redeem us from the curse of sin and death by fulfilling righteousness as our substitute. Jesus is born under the law to redeem us from the curse of the law. As he lives the life we should have lived and dies the death that God's law says that we should have died. The scriptures also tell us how we can receive the good of this good news, the forgiveness of sins and eternal life, by repenting of our sins and personally rendering our trust and obedience to Jesus as our true Lord and Savior. My name is David McAdam, and I am pleased to serve as your host today as we will be reading from the Old Testament, the complete book of Nahum consisting of three chapters, and then reading from the New Testament, the eighth chapter from the last book of the Bible, the Revelation of Jesus Christ. We learn the truth of God's holy character throughout Scripture, and as we will learn tomorrow in the book of Habakkuk, He is of purer eyes than can possibly approve of evil. He cannot look upon wickedness with favor. We learned in reading the book of Jonah that God granted a short season of favor to the Assyrians when they responded to the preaching of Jonah. But years later, they returned to their wickedness, and God raises up the prophet Nahum to affirm God's righteousness and pronounce judgment upon the Assyrian Empire. This prophecy comes to pass, and we do not hear of the Assyrian Empire or the Assyrians as a people group today. God's word is vindicated. So let's get started with today's Old Testament reading, the book of Nahum, chapter 1, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version. An Oracle Concerning Nineveh, the book of the vision of Nahum of Elkosh, God's wrath against Nineveh. The Lord is a jealous and avenging God. The Lord is avenging and wrathful. The Lord takes vengeance on his adversaries and keeps wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power, and the Lord will by no means clear the guilty. His way is in whirlwind and storm, and the clouds are the dust of His feet. He rebukes the sea and makes it dry. He dries up all the rivers. Bashan and Carmel wither. The bloom of Lebanon withers. The mountains quake before Him. The hills melt. The earth heaves before Him the world and all who dwell in it. Who can stand before his indignation? Who can endure the heat of his anger? His wrath is poured out like fire, and the rocks are broken into pieces by him. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in him. But with an overflowing flood, he will make a complete end of the adversaries and will pursue his enemies into darkness. What do you plot against the Lord? He will make a complete end. Trouble will not rise up a second time, for they are like entangled thorns, like drunkards as they drink. They are consumed like stubble, fully dried. 
From you came one who plotted evil against the Lord, a worthless counselor. Thus says the Lord, Though they are at full strength and many, they will be cut down and pass away. Though I have afflicted you, I will afflict you no more. And now I will break his yoke from off you, and will burst your bonds apart. The Lord has given commandment about you. No more shall your name be perpetuated. From the house of your gods I will cut off the carved image and the metal image. I will make your grave, for you are vile. Behold, upon the mountains the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace. Keep your feasts, O Judah, fulfill your vows, for never again shall the worthless pass through you. He is utterly cut off. Chapter 2 The Destruction of Nineveh The scatterer has come against you. Man the ramparts, watch the road, dress for battle, collect all your strength. For the Lord is restoring the majesty of Jacob as the majesty of Israel. For plunderers have plundered them and ruined their branches. The shield of his mighty men is red. His soldiers are clothed in scarlet. The chariots come with flashing metal on the day he musters them. The cypress spears are brandished. The chariots race madly through the streets. They rush to and fro through the squares. They gleam like torches. They dart like lightning. He remembers his officers. They stumble as they go. They hasten to the wall. The siege tower is set up. The river gates are opened. The palace melts away. Its mistress is stripped. She is carried off. Her slave girls lamenting, moaning like doves and beating their breasts. Nineveh is like a pool whose waters run away. Halt, halt, they cry, but none turns back. Plunder the silver, plunder the gold. There is no end of the treasure or of the wealth of all precious things. Desolate, desolation and ruin. Hearts melt and knees tremble. Anguish is in all loins. All faces grow pale. Where is the lion's den, the feeding place of the young lions, where the lion and lioness went, where his cubs were, with none to disturb? The lion tore enough for his cubs and strangled prey for his lionesses. He filled his caves with prey and his dens with torn flesh. Behold, I am against you, declares the Lord of hosts, and I will burn your chariots in smoke, and the sword shall devour your young lions. I will cut off your prey from the earth, and the voice of your messengers shall no longer be heard. Chapter 3 Woe to Nineveh! Woe to the bloody city, all full of lies and plunder! No end to the prey! The crack of the whip and rumble of the wheel, galloping horse and bounding chariot! Horsemen charging, flashing sword and glittering spear, hosts of slain, heaps of corpses, dead bodies without end, they stumble over the bodies. And all for the countless whorings of the prostitute, graceful and of deadly charms, who betrays nations with her whorings and peoples with her charms. Behold, I am against you, declares the Lord of hosts, and will lift up your skirts over your face, and I will make nations look at your nakedness and kingdoms at your shame. I will throw filth at you and treat you with contempt and make you a spectacle. And all who look at you will shrink from you and say, Wasted is Nineveh, who will grieve for her? Where shall I seek comforters for you? Are you better than Thebes, that sat by the Nile, with water around her, her rampart a sea, and water her wall? 
Cush was her strength, Egypt too, and that without limit. Put and Libyans were her helpers. Yet she became an exile, she went into captivity. Her infants were dashed in pieces at the head of every street, for her honored men lots were cast, and all her great men were bound in chains. You also will be drunken, you will go into hiding, you will seek a refuge from the enemy. All your fortresses are like fig trees with first ripe figs. If shaken, they fall into the mouth of the eater. Behold, your troops are women in your midst. The gates of your land are wide open to your enemies. Fire has devoured your bars. Draw water for the siege. Strengthen your forts. Go into the clay. Tread the mortar. Take hold of the brick mold. There will the fire devour you. The sword will cut you off. It will devour you like the locust. Multiply yourselves like the locust. Multiply like the grasshopper. You increased your merchants more than the stars of the heavens. The locust spreads its wings and flies away. Your princes are like grasshoppers, your scribes like clouds of locusts, settling on the fences in a day of cold. When the sun rises, they fly away. No one knows where they are. Your shepherds are asleep, O king of Assyria. Your nobles slumber. Your people are scattered on the mountains with none to gather them. There is no easing your hurt. Your wound is grievous. All who hear the news about you clap their hands over you. For upon whom has not come your unceasing evil? And this concludes our reading from the Old Testament, and it concludes our reading of the prophecies of Nahum. The book of Nahum is a sequel to the book of Jonah. When Jonah walked the streets and preached to his enemies at Nineveh, the people repented and were spared of God's judgment. But now, approximately 100 years later, we discover that the Ninevites had returned to wickedness. The capital city of the Assyrian Empire had returned to its wicked ways. The prophet Nahum was God's prophet, appointed to pronounce judgment upon Assyria and prophesy its end. The whole book is considered war poetry, an extended assault of judgments. There are no oracles of redemption or blessing for the Assyrians here. How the nations of the Middle East and Western Asia must have rejoiced to know that the heavy hand of Assyrian dominance was going to be lifted. Assyria had been the power that intimidated, tyrannized, and oppressed the fertile crescent of the Middle East for many generations, that is, for two centuries. Note the long line of Assyrian invasions. First, there was Shalmaneser II, in 859 to 824 B.C., who defeated Ben-Hadad in 1 Kings chapter 20, verse 34, chapter 22, verses 1 and 3, and forced Jehu to pay tribute in 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 15 through 17, in 2 Kings chapter 8, verses 7 through 15, and chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. He is succeeded by Tiglath-Pileser III. From 745 to 727 B.C., he forced Menahem to pay tribute and was bribed by Ahaz for help in 2 Kings chapter 15, verse 19, and verses 28 through 29, chapter 16, verses 10 through 16, 1 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 6 and 26, and 2 Chronicles 28, verses 19 to 21, and Isaiah chapter 7, verses 1 through chapter 9, verse 1. He was followed by Shalmaneser V from 727 to 722 B.C., who invaded Israel and besieged Samaria in 2 Kings chapter 17, verses 1 through 3. He is followed by Sargon II from 722 to 705 B.C., 
who captured Samaria and put an end to the northern kingdom of Israel in 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 6, Isaiah chapter 20, verses 1 through 6, and then he conquered Egypt in the Battle of Raphia. He is followed by Sennacherib, who reigned from 705 to 681 B.C. and invaded and took much of Judah until God intervened and he was overthrown before the gates of Jerusalem in 2 Kings chapter 18, verses 13 through chapter 19, verse 36. He is succeeded by Esarhaddon, who reigned from 681 to 669 B.C., who attacked Jerusalem and took Manasseh captive, releasing him a year later and colonized Samaria, in 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 37, chapter 21, verses 13 and 14, 2 Chronicles chapter 33, verse 11, and Ezra chapter 4, verses 2 through 9. He is succeeded by Ashurbanipal, who reigns from 669 to 633 B.C. and was the absolute monarch of Assyria and virtual ruler of Babylon for more than 40 years, forcing Manasseh to pay tribute. In 664 B.C., he destroyed the Egyptian city of Thebes, also known as No-Ammon. In 2 Kings chapter 21, verse 2, in 2 Chronicles chapter 33, verse 11, and Ezra chapter 4, verses 2 through 9. The Assyrian king, Ashurbanipal, was exceptionally cruel. There are many horror stories of the atrocities he committed. Nahum says, Woe to the city of blood, full of lies, full of plunder, never without victims. In Nahum chapter 3, verse 1, Ashurbanipal tore lips and limbs from the kings he conquered. He captured three Elamite kings, harnessed them like horses to his chariot, and drove them through the streets. He hung the decapitated head of a king around the neck of his prince. He forced one Chaldean king to commit suicide, decapitated him, and hung his head from a tree in his garden, then feasted with the queen beneath it. Under Ashurbanipal's rule, Assyria rose to the zenith of its power. It appeared to be an unconquerable kingdom. At this time, God called Nahum to prophesy Nineveh's downfall. Nahum's name means comforter. Whereas Jonah preached revival to Nineveh, Nahum prophesied its ruin. Nahum proclaims the facts concerning the God who revealed himself to the Israelites at Sinai. He repeats God's self-introduction given to Moses in Exodus chapter 34, verses 6-7, through 7, when he says, in Nahum chapter 1, verse 3, The Lord is slow to anger and great in power, and the Lord will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. In whirlwind and storm is his way, and clouds are the dust beneath his feet. Nahum declares that the Lord is both loving and just, therefore he must bring judgment upon the unrepentant. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who take refuge in him. But with an overflowing flood, he will make a complete end of its sight and will pursue his enemies into darkness. Nahum chapter 1 verses 7 through 8. Whereas judgment is pronounced on Nineveh and her idols, the promise of a blessed future is renewed for Judah. Behold, on the mountains, the feet of him who brings good news, who announces peace. Celebrate your feasts, O Judah, pay your vows, for never again will the wicked one pass through you. He is cut off completely. Nahum chapter 1 verse 15. With supernatural intelligence, Nahum prophetically describes the uniforms and shields of the Babylonians before they approach in Nahum chapter 2 verse 3. He sees the river gates being thrown open and causing the palace to collapse in Nahum chapter 2 verse 6. 
This may refer to the enemy coming into Nineveh like a flood, or to the actual flooding of the city by the opening of river gates that dammed the Tigris, that archaeologists have discovered. When an enormous amount of water accumulated, the gates would open and allow water to flood Nineveh. The city will be plundered and stripped. The punishment that is inflicted upon Nineveh will reflect the cruelties she brought to other cities in other countries, including Thebes in Egypt, in chapter 3, verses 8 through 11. The vindication of the cause of the oppressed is clear as judgment falls on Nineveh. There is no relief for your breakdown. Your wound is incurable. All who hear about you will clap their hands over you, for on whom has not your evil passed continually? Nahum chapter 3, verse 19. The book of Nahum reminds us of God's justice. He does not ignore sin. It must be punished. The Assyrians were given over to the idolatrous worship of Ishtar, the goddess of sexual passion, fertility, and war. They slaughtered people indiscriminately. God opposes the shedding of innocent blood. He opposes the proud and self-confident who arrogantly reject His rule of righteousness. Now let's move to our New Testament reading from the book of Revelation, and we will read the entirety of chapter 8. The Seventh Seal and the Golden Censer Revelation chapter 8 When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense, with the prayers of the saints, rose before God from the hand of the angel. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth, and there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. The Seven Trumpets Now the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. The first angel blew his trumpet, and there followed hail and fire, mixed with blood, and these were thrown upon the earth, and a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all green grass was burned up. The second angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood, and many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. The fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of their light might be darkened, and a third of the day might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night. Then I looked, and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead, Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth at the blasts of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. And this concludes our reading from the New Testament from the Revelation of Jesus Christ. At the opening of the seventh seal, there is silence in heaven for about a half hour. Heaven holds its breath, as the seventh seal unleashes the seven trumpets that announce the solemn events that herald and trigger the return of the king. 
The seven trumpets are released from the seventh seal and given to the seven angels. In verse 2, another pause takes place in heaven as incense is added to the golden censer of an angel carrying the prayers of the saints. Then the angel takes the censer and fills it with fire from the altar. The altar speaks of God's self-revelation in the cross of Christ. There justice is satisfied, righteousness is vindicated, and the wrath of God is poured out upon the perfect sin offering, where it is born in the body of Jesus, the propitiating substitute for those who believe. But the wrathful judgment for those who reject the cross must be borne on their own bodies, and so the fire of the altar is mixed with the cumulative prayers of the saints throughout the centuries who have prayed, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. Is this a surprising answer to prayer? The holiness of God demands it. The fire and incense are thrown to the unrepentant who dwell upon the earth. There are peals of thunder, the flashes of lightning strikes, and an earthquake in Revelation chapter 8, verse 7. As with the first four seals, the first four trumpets are sounded in quick succession. With the sounding of the first trumpet come hail and fire mixed with blood. One third of the earth is burned up with the trees and the grass. The third may mean that it is a fraction of the full judgment due, leaving still some opportunity for repentance. The second trumpet brings what appears to be a mountain of fire thrown into the sea, polluting one-third, that is a fraction, of the oceans, which turn blood red. One-third of the sea creatures die, and one-third of the ocean-going vessels are destroyed. The third trumpet sounds, and a star from the heavens falls to earth, named Wormwood, and pollutes one-third of the fresh water system. The Lord will not heal these bitter poisoned waters, as He did by the hand of Moses for His covenant people at Marah, when He put in the tree of wood, a symbol of the cross, in Exodus chapter 15, verse 25. There is no Elijah to add a cruise of salt to heal the waters, as He did in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 21. The people in Revelation chapter 8 are those who dwell upon the earth, in verse 13. They have no place in their hearts for heaven or heaven's offer. They see no personal need for Christ's work on the cross. The fourth trumpet sounds, and a third of the light from the sun, the moon, and the stars is impacted. Darkness comes upon what is described as a third of the earth, affecting a third of the day, again possibly meaning a portion. John then looks and sees what appears to be an eagle that speaks, it warns that three more trumpets remain to be sounded. Three woes indicate three curses. Three judgments are imminent. Now let's move on to our next stop in our Bible reading tour to the book of Psalms, where we are reading Psalm 136. His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for His steadfast love endures forever. To Him who alone does great wonders, for His steadfast love endures forever. To Him who by understanding made the heavens, for His steadfast love endures forever. To Him who spread out the earth above the waters, for His steadfast love endures forever. To him who made the great lights, for his steadfast love endures forever. The sun to rule over the day, for his steadfast love endures forever. The moon and stars to rule over the night, 
for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, for his steadfast love endures forever, and brought Israel out from among them, for his steadfast love endures forever, with a strong hand and an outstretched arm, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea in two, for his steadfast love endures forever, and made Israel pass through the midst of it, for his steadfast love endures forever, but overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who struck down great kings, for his steadfast love endures forever, and killed mighty kings, for his steadfast love endures forever. Sihon, king of the Amorites, for his steadfast love endures forever, and Og, king of Bashan, for his steadfast love endures forever, and gave their land as a heritage, for his steadfast love endures forever, a heritage to Israel his servant, for his steadfast love endures forever. It is he who remembered us in our low estate, for his steadfast love endures forever, and rescued us from our foes, for his steadfast love endures forever. He who gives food to all flesh, for his steadfast love endures forever, give thanks to the God of heaven for his steadfast love endures forever. We come again to the great Hallel, the antiphonal psalm where the people respond to pronounced truths, echoing the chorus, give thanks to God of gods for his mercy, his chesed, covenant love, is everlasting. His steadfast love endures forever. The psalmist lists many of the wonderful things that God has done, starting with creation in verses 4 through 9. He praises God for His mighty deeds of deliverance. He lists great things that God did in the Exodus in verses 10 through 15 and in the wilderness in verses 16 through 26. Give thanks to the God of heaven for His love is everlasting. And now for our final stop in today's Bible reading excursion, we go to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 30 verses 7 through 9. Two things I ask of you. Deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Can you pray this prayer? Do we hate lies and deception enough to want to be kept away from them? Are we content with a simple life of dependence upon the Lord with neither poverty nor riches? Are we satisfied with our God-given portions? Can we say with the Apostle Paul, I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am? In Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, the psalmist is aware of the danger of being deceived by success and material prosperity into a state of self-sufficiency and self-deception. He is aware of the temptation to illegal gain if in a state of poverty. He wants to live being true to the Lord's righteousness and dependent upon His grace. Now let's pray in the light of what we have just read. Heavenly Father, we take comfort knowing that You know those who take refuge in You. You know those who cleave to the promise, trusting in the perfect provision of Jesus Christ and His perfect work of redemption. He finished the redemptive work for us, and now He is finishing His sanctifying work in us. We praise you for your faithfulness and echo the refrain that your loving kindness, your hesed, is everlasting. It is unfailing. How great is your goodness. 
May our lives bring you glory and praise this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining with us in today's Bible reading tour, and God willing, we'll be with you tomorrow as we start the book of Habakkuk and continue our reading through the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ. If you have any questions or comments or prayer requests, we'd love to hear from you. You can write us at podcast at newlife.org, and you can also go to our website, newlife.org, if you would like to subscribe to a daily email with a written copy of our commentary on each day's reading. So may the grace of the Lord be with you in abundance. God bless you in the name of Jesus, our Prince of Peace, for He is our peace. Shalom. Shalom.